0: Welcome to Kingdom of the Lagos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. I am Jay Dylan Proctor, and in this podcast, we're going to be talking about the Antichrist. In fact, I've been saying for a while I'm going to dedicate an entire program to the Antichrist, and this is that program. You may ask the question, fake news? Is that an example of the Antichrist? I think one can make a very good argument that it is. And that might sound crazy, but let's check it out. There's a lot of mysticism around the concept of the Antichrist. Some of such mysticism may be appropriate, but I think we need a more practical and much more down-to-earth and workable understanding about the Antichrist than just some sort of mystic thing which is out there in the cosmos. And I wanna clarify what I'm going to be doing in this podcast. I'm going to give you a proposal That is not intended to be an all-encompassing definition of the Antichrist. I'm not coming along to redefine the Antichrist. In fact, I'm going back to Scripture to provide you with a a definition. But what I am doing is I am offering you a conceptualization of the Antichrist. I'm not trying to do away with any other commentary or sermons you've had about the Antichrist. Those would have to be dealt with on an individual case-to-case basis. But what I am simply doing today is offering you a conceptualization of the Antichrist. And I'm doing that so you will be able to have something in your belt you carry around with you so that you can clearly identify it and fight against it in the world. So let me just jump right into it and give you the claim. My claim is this. The Antichrist is a tool for transformation into chaos and nothingness. Furthermore, the Antichrist is often a language-based tool, which tells people lies which are either too cloaked in truth, vice, or virtue, where they are far too complex for people to be able to recognize that these are destructive lies. So that's the proposal I'm giving you today. A lot of times we think of the Antichrist as being this sort of sentient being which is waiting to manifest sometime in the future when the end of time comes. I think that's a... Well, let me just offer you something in contrast to that. I want us to have this concept in our mind that the Antichrist, instead of being a single sentient being, is rather a tool that different people can pick up. Different people can manifest the Antichrist in their lives. They can be manifestations of the Antichrist because I think a good understanding of the Antichrist is a tool. It's a tool for moving the world into destruction, into chaos, and into a nothingness, reasonless void. So let me elaborate a bit on my proposal. Modern concepts like fake news, which is basically a down-to-earth way of, of talking about the concept of sophistry. Again, you may say, preacher, you're talking about really big words over there. You use the word sophistry. I don't know what that is. Sophistry is basically making an argument that sounds true but is actually a lie. And we're going to give some examples of that later. Fake news is the down-to-earth language that basically is talking about sophistry. Something which may sound true, it may be technically true, but it just doesn't match reality and it's it's kind of meaningless. These are manifestations of the Antichrist. Whenever something is out there trying to manipulate you, it's taking the world towards Chaos and nothingness. It's taking the world away from order. People can unmistakably be manifestations of the Antichrist. They can pick up this tool and use it. So let me elaborate on this claim just a little bit. Understanding the Antichrist is actually the Antichrist. It is that which is against Christ. And if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is in fact the Word of God, which we find defined in the Gospel of John, And, of course, the Word of God is also known as the Logos. So, if Jesus Christ is the Son of God, is in fact the Word of God, when that's also known as the Logos, then the Antichrist must be the Anti-Word. It is the Anti-Logos. I want you to really think about that. If Christ is the Word of God become flesh, then the Antichrist is, well, it's the Anti-Word. It's the Anti-Logos. Furthermore, If the Word of God, also known as the Logos of God, is the eternal mechanism for giving order and holiness to creation, then the Antichrist is the mechanism for destruction, chaos, and reducing the world to a nihilistic void of nothingness. In a little bit, I'm going to give a substantiation for that and bring some evidence to this. Christ is the Word, and the Antichrist is the anti-word. In short, and the heart of my claim is this. The essence of the Antichrist is that it's a tool out there, oftentimes a language-based tool, But it's a tool for destruction and bringing the world from a place of order and reason and holiness and all that is good to a place of evil, of nothingness, to a place of darkness and and sort of nothing. So let me give you some examples of this, and then I'll supply you with some evidence. We look around our world, and we see a lot of people who, they may be really good orators, they may be good speakers, and they make arguments which may sound true. And they may even be technically true. They may have an element of truth in them. They may prey on some virtue but they're false. We find this all the time, and it's something which is really kind of hard to deal with whenever you you have it happen. Fake news is a really good example of the, the Antichrist. Sophistry, the art of making arguments which sound true or perhaps they sound appealing, but are actually false. Propaganda is a very good example of the Antichrist. We have some Russian posters I'd like to pull up for you today. And they are, again, they're not written in English, so we've got a, a rough translation of each of these posters. But I want to show you how these are very particularly um, manifestations of the, the Antichrist. So this first poster I want us to look at says, Come to us on the collective farm, comrade. Now, this is why this is such fake news, why this is propaganda, why it's the Antichrist in action. Well, with the language comrade there at the end, of course, that's akin to our concept of friend. People want to, to be friends. People want that. They want to have friends in the world. And when you hear this poster says, come to the Collective fronds, well, you want friends, don't you? And then that word collective, you know, there's there's something we know as, as humans, strength in numbers, you know, equality, right? Well, not so fast. This statement, it depicts a peaceful, just and friendly reality on a farm. But in reality, what come to pass was a lot of death, chaos, and destruction. In fact, the Soviet Union went in massacred an unbelievable amount of farmers in its, in its earlier depictions of, of reality. As it's, its plan manifested, it, it killed a lot of people. People in these farms, they weren't able to really own the things they were doing because it was, again, the collective. It sounds good. We have this, this pathological love for the collective in our, our world today, which, again, it's pathological because it's dislocated from the, the role of the individual collectivism and individualism should not be these two opposing forces. We should know that we are transformed individuals and we have a particular role we play in the collective. There should be a balance between the two. We live in this modern world which has this pathological obsession that individualism is all evil. Um, And in the church, in order to make this claim, you have to reject the very idea of being born again as an individual. You You would ascribe to this terrible theology that some sort of universal salvation, that it's the collective which is saved, not the individual who is then saved into the collective. Well, back to this poster, this idea of the collective farm, it all seems great, but in reality, it's telling the story of a lot of death and destruction. It literally took people to starvation and death and ripped the meaning out of life. The next poster I want us to look at is one which you can describe as Follow the True Path, Comrades. And again, that's a a rough translation of this. But when you hear something like, follow the true path, comrades, well, this is the Antichrist. This is fake news in action. Because you have to ask questions. You know, what is truth? You know, that's the famous last question that Pilate gives to Jesus in the Gospel of John. You know, what is truth? People want truth. People want justice in the world. They want truth. They want things to come out accurately. But yet, this poster doesn't really tell you what truth is. Because what? the Soviets were trying to portray wasn't actually truth, it was their own will. They just branded their own plan as truth. And again, with that word comrade on there, you know, you're not our friend if you don't embrace what we are calling truth. If you don't embrace our form of justice and truth, well, you're not our friend. You are the enemy. You must be destroyed. It's very evil, very evil. The last poster I want us to look at is one which is a little bit longer. It's got several different lines here. But the essence of it is this. All power to the Soviets, peace to the people, land to the peasants. Now, what you hear in this is a lot of things. One, that the Soviet Union, it's going to be the most powerful thing. There's going to be peace, and you're going to get land. You know, you've had all these people in the bourgeoisie, the, those who own the means of production, they've had the land, and you're going to get some. That sounds great on the surface level, but what they don't tell you that this peace may not be real peace. It may come with a lot of death and destruction, And by death and destruction, we mean tens and millions of people paying the price of such with their life. They also don't tell you that whatever they're calling peace also means the eradication of of all sorts of freedoms. And when they say land of the peasants, what they are implying is that you'll therefore own something, but not so fast. This is a collectivist system, so you really don't get to own that either. Just death and destruction and chaos and nothing to give you meaning in life. Many in the world want to recognize the, the evil of the Nazis, which were truly evil, but so often people want to cover up and pretend that the, the form of Marxism, which was, again, a very real form of Marxism, it wasn't some off-brand Marxism, but the Marxism that manifested in the Soviet Union was somehow not as big of a deal as the Nazis, when in fact the Soviet government killed far more people through internal, internal violence than did the Nazis. In fact, they killed so many people that were off in the tens of millions trying to figure out how many they are. Whenever you get to the level of evil that you can't sort it out in tens and millions of dead bodies, you're in something truly evil. But it was sold to the people on this propaganda form. It was sold to people on this language-based tool. Again, they use language with stuff that's really hard to defeat. Again, when somebody comes up and says, you know, follow the, the true path, comrade. Follow the, follow the truth, friend. You know, that's that's hard to pick out what's wrong with that. But unmistakably, it is fake news, it's sophistry, it's propaganda, and it's the tool of the Antichrist in action. A more modern example from here recently in American culture, there was the incident involving the police officer Darren uh, Wilson and Michael Brown, where Michael Brown was ultimately dead in the end of that. There was this narrative that was sent around in our culture, hands up, don't shoot, and Whenever you would hear this brought up, people would say, hands up, don't shoot. You've seen journalists, you've seen so many people who had the the public eye on them, they would they would hold their hands up and make the statement, hands up, don't shoot. The problem is, is that this is, again, it's a form of fake news, it's a form of sophistry, and it's a form of the Antichrist in action, because it was a, a language-based tool that was designed to control people. It wanted to tell you how to think. Again, evidence did not support this happen. In fact, as the evidence came out, the idea of hands up, shoot up, hands up, don't shoot. That didn't really happen. But what it is, it preyed on people's good virtues because good people, they don't like the idea of an innocent person dying. Good people don't like the idea of racism. Good people don't like the idea of somebody holding their hands up and then being shot. And in fact, when you tell good people that this bad thing has happened, a lot of times people are moved. They want to go out and do something about it. They want to go rein in the evil forces of the world. But what happens if those evil forces of the world weren't actually the initiators of such an incident? What if there's more to it than that? What if it's a complex situation? And what if it turns out that the person who was perceived innocent wasn't as innocent as they've been portrayed to be? What if the, the victims and the perpetrators are not who, hands up, don't shoot, suggest? People with the moral compass do not like evil things in the world. Racism, harming of the innocents, harming of children, we don't like this. But the problem with the hands-up-don't-shoot narrative is it told a lie. It told a lie that was really hard to see through if you didn't have the first-hand evidence. Again, without those eyewitness accounts when you're just going based off what other people tell you, it's hard to defeat that. When people are going up, up, hands-up-don't-shoot, why is that a bad thing? Unless you can prove that hands-up-to-shoot didn't happen, you're pretty much up a creek. People have been using the tool of the Antichrist to manipulate others, to shape cultures, to bring destruction for a long time. And we need to be able to recognize it when we see it and push back on it. The next thing I'd like us to talk about is actually an example of the Antichrist in action in Jesus' lifetime. And this is with the leaders, or the Jewish leaders, when they're talking with Nicodemus in the Gospel of John, chapter 7. The religious leaders of the day, they are sending their police to basically arrest Jesus. Again, a lot of times we think of Jesus being arrested as sort of something which happens near the cross we go all the way back to John chapter 7. They were trying to do this a bit earlier. They want to pass judgment on Jesus without a hearing. Nicodemus, he's not really cool with this. He says, hang up, guys. Hold your horses a bit. Let's let's hang up the phone for just a few minutes before we call in everyone. Why are we going to pass judgment on this man without first giving a hearing? And the religious leaders of the day who are opposed to Jesus, well, they, they, they wring their hands for a moment and they say, look it up. They say, aren't you also from Galilee? Look up and see. Go search the records. See that no prophet comes from Galilee. But you know what? There's a big problem with that. Because if you're there, you're Nicodemus, you hear people say that. You say, well, that's true. No prophet did come from Galilee. Well, Jesus must be a bad guy. We might need to go get the police to take him in. And we're going to pass judgment on him that's guilty without a hearing. You see, it makes sense. It's shrouded in truth. And in fact, it may be completely true in technicality, though. Because in reality, the fact that whether or not a prophet came from Galilee has little to do with whether or not Jesus is actually the Messiah. And for those who don't didn't believe he was the Messiah at the time, they were still working out who Jesus was. They said, well, he may be a prophet, he may be a Messiah, may or may not be the Son of God. People are trying to figure all this stuff out. You know, that fact that there's not been a prophet come out of Galilee before has nothing to do with who Jesus is. But it's really hard to spot that because it sounds like it's a good answer even though it's not really an argument. It's just them playing identity politics and being corrupt. They crushed reason and the due process and everything down with that argument that you know, no profit comes from Galilee. Well, it sounds true. It may even be true. It's actually a lie because it's it's fake news, it's sophistry. So, in just wrapping all this idea up in the examples, because now I want us to move to some evidence. I just want us to remember that the Antichrist is basically telling lies that are so well disguised. They're so complicated. Maybe they've got some virtues thrown in there. They've got something thrown in there where people can't see through them. They can't overcome them. Now, I want us to move into some evidence now. And we're actually going to go to the Gospel of John chapter 1, because if I'm going to to make the claim that the Antichrist is not just this sentient being, but instead it's a tool that is the anti-word. It's the anti-logos. I need to get into the idea of what the word and the logos are. Because, again, the word and the logos, they're the same thing. The Greek version of that is the logos, the English version of the word with a capital W. So many times we think of the word and we think, oh, that means scripture or that means spoken word or that's somebody's message. The word of God is so much more than that. Um, let's just go right into John 1.1 1, 1 and see what we can find out. In John 1.1, 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness had not overcome it. That description of the Word is Quite complex. And down in verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Hmm. Such beautiful poetry found in the beginning of John. John's Gospel, it's a very philosophical text. It's just a beautiful piece of literature. But it portrays a important truth for us to understand. Christ is the Logos. Christ is the Word. The Word is not a mere spoken or written thing, as we may expect it to be. It predates Scripture. It's God's tool from the beginning of creation for giving life and meaning to the Word. If you listen to carefully there, God is giving life and meaning to the world using His Word. In Genesis, you will find that the world is a chaotic void of deep waters when God starts using the Word. As God gives order and meaning to creation, His word is the tool which does it. We look to Genesis, we see this image of God starting to speak. Whenever God uses the word, when the word of God starts being active, when it starts to stir and churn, as its operation begins, the word is God's tool for giving life meaning and order to all of creation. It's bigger than a few spoken words. It's bigger than a few written words. It is the eternal mechanism of God for moving creation towards something better. And so oftentimes we don't understand what good really is. We think good just meaning something positive or something admirable. But good is something really derived from God, out of the providence of God. But let's flip this over to the Antichrist. If Christ is the Word of God become flesh, then not only is the Antichrist this idea that's anything opposed to Christ, but it's actually that which is against the nature of Christ. It, it goes all the way to the existential level of saying, well, if Christ exists as the Word of God, then, well, that which is against Christ is against the Word of God. It is the anti-Word. It is not the Word of God become for us, the Antichrist. It is an off-brand. It is an imitation. That's not just an imitation, but it is very opposed to the very core purpose of Christ. Again, if Christ is the Word, the Logos, the tool for transforming creation into something with good meaning, purpose, then the Antichrist is the tool for tearing the world down, taking it back to a place of evil, dark, chaotic waters, a place void, devoid completely of meaning. There's no reason, there's no rationality there. It's just this chaotic place of, of nothingness. One of the things that happens when people start using things like fake news or propaganda in our world is that it tears away reason. Anyone who tells you that the church and reason are opposed to one another has, is wildly misinformed of history. For a long time, Christians and, and those even before Christ If you go back to even the wisdom of the Old Testament, people understood that rationality is derived from God. Reason is a divine gift which we should take very close to our hearts. We should cherish it as something quite precious. As we look in the New Testament, we are reminded of the great power of that which is opposed to this. The Antichrist wants to cause destruction. People in our modern world, they take the tool of the Antichrist. They are opposed to reason. They want people to not be able to make distinctions. Being able to make distinctions is at the core of critical thinking. People, they want to say, oh, there's there's gray areas in life, so everything's a gray area. There is no morality. There is no right and wrong. It's, those are gray areas, so there must be no right and wrong. We can just say whoever is the victim is the victim. Whoever is the perpetrator is the perpetrator. Rationality, reason, they don't matter. Being consistent doesn't matter. Because, again, this is the tool of the Antichrist. It tears the world to a place of nothingness. It's It's completely missing its ability to reason, it's missing consistency, it's missing its ability to think and have purpose. So let's go a little bit further in the New Testament, shall we? In the first epistle of John, I want us to read just a little bit. In First John chapter 2, or First John chapter 2 verse 18, it reads as follows, children, it is the last hour and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming and now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that this is the last hour. They went out from us, they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they are not of us. But if you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have knowledge, you all have knowledge, I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise that He has made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you received from Him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything, and it is true, and it is no lie, just as it has taught you abide in him. What's so fascinating about this first epistle of John is that at the time there were heretics teaching some really bad stuff in the church. There are people in the region of John's ministry teaching that only a certain people, well, only a certain people could have knowledge. There were Gnostic heresies, and I know that's a big where a lot of people aren't familiar with Gnosticism, but there are people who said only a few people have the hidden knowledge of God, and you basically have to see the world as they see it and believe whatever they tell you because you can't have it. Again, it was destructive. It's the Antichrist in action. In fact, a few years after John passes, there will be people who crop up new heretics, causing destructive things to occur in the world. They're doing exactly what John says. John is able to point this out about the Antichrist because, again, it's not just a single being. It's not even really necessary to be a being at all. It's a tool that different people can wield across time. These people, they would claim that they they are necessary for you to gather information. We find a lot of modern journalists who do this. They claim they have special access that you, you cannot have, you don't have, and cannot have. Therefore, you must see things the way they want you to. People were doing this a long time ago. People are still doing it today. When John writes to you that you do not need a teacher, he's not saying that you do not need to learn from anyone else or to have people teach you. But he's saying you do not need someone to be a gatekeeper of your mind. You don't need someone to come and ration the gospel and reason for you as they see fit. You have a direct access to God. You have a direct access to God. Listen to other people teach and stuff like that, that's fine. But if anyone comes along and says, you do not have a direct access to God, we have to be the gatekeeper for that. We will teach you things of God. God will not communicate with you. Those people are heretics, and they're of the Antichrist. John is also dealing with one particular heresy known as Ebionism, which in the early church, it was a heresy that taught that Jesus was the Messiah, but he was elected by God to be a son, and he was conceived by Mary. That sounds good, right? There's some truth in biblical-sounding language there. Can you spot how this would be something of the Antichrist, how this is the Antichrist tool in action? Let me state it again and see if you can notice what makes this the tool of the Antichrist. Ebionism teaches that Jesus is the Messiah. He was elected the Son of God, and he was conceived by Mary. It can be hard to spot the Antichrist in action, can't it? But there's some problems here. This Ebionism heresy teaches that Christ was the Messiah, which is correct. However, He is the begotten Son of God, not merely an elected Son of God. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, not by Mary and supposedly Joseph. Because the presumption is, of course, that if Jesus is conceived by Mary and not the Holy Spirit, then Joseph is involved. Moreover, if Jesus is conceived then by Joseph and Mary, well, he's not in existence before them. He couldn't possibly be the Word of God or be present there in the beginning because, well, he's just conceived whenever Mary and Joseph get involved. And if that's true, then you have to ask other questions. Does Christ exist after the cross? Is he the Messiah after then, if he has just elected the Son of God? All of these questions emerge, and they take people to a very destructive place. It is a heresy, it's pathologically destructive, and it is the Antichrist in action. So we're going to conclude our podcast now. My proposal is this. The Antichrist is a tool for a transformation into chaos and nothingness. Furthermore, the Antichrist is often a language-based tool which tells people lies which are either too cloaked in truth, vice, or virtue or far too complex for people to recognize that they are destructive lives. Thanks for listening. Send me your questions and comments. Again, I'm not trying to create an opposition to anything you've heard in the past but I'm just providing you with a conceptualization of so that you may have something in your belt to assist you in identifying and fighting the Antichrist. You can follow me on Twitter at J. Dylan Proctor. Send me your your questions and thoughts there. And please download our free podcast and take us with you. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, CastBox. We're trying to get on iHeartRadio as well. If you would like to support the program, uh, please donate at patreon.com slash kingdomofthelogos. And on that, have a blessed day.